to Fly Over Territory Podcast. As always, co-host Woody, and with me, as always, co-host Dave. Dave, how are we doing? It's March 30th, right? We're still on the 30th. Uh, we are on the 30th. We are then technically two days away from Minnesota Twins baseball. Uh, April 1st, Woody, a beautiful, probably, you know, gorgeous day over in Milwaukee at 1.10 p.m. You get to here watch i'm not sure if you can actually watch the twins uh i don't know if you have valley sports or what they're on right now but at least listen to minnesota twins baseball the beginning of the 2021 season so i i all throughout the last couple weeks and months we've been talking and like kind of gauging our interest levels and i'll put it to you first how how are you feeling being two days removed from minnesota twins baseball I'm pumped, although I'm excited mostly because of my tradition I started last year, opening day, which was July. Um, I'm super pumped to go to High V, buy myself a four pack of the uh, what used to be called uh, Dome Dogs. We don't we don't have the Metrodome anymore. Um, I don't even know what they call them anymore. They might just call them Jumbo Dogs or whatever at uh, Target Field now. But um, get a get a pack of those. Get a pack of just the normal hot dogs as well. Just the really high processed, like terrible yep. for you ones. Throw like two of the jumbos, like four of the regulars, into just a pot of boiling water, and then just eat those the rest of my day for my only food. That's like what I'm most excited about. And because we first pitch at one o'clock, I get to do this for lunch, so I don't have to wait. I I don't think you should be doing this alone. I think I might have to do this and start this as a larger tradition. Like I'm sold on this. This is fantastic. Work from home, pandemic ready, dome dogs, or quote unquote. We're doing asterisks around dome dogs, but yeah, I'm sold. I will. We'll put that on the calendar for what's that Thursday. Uh, that's perfect. I mean, that's what baseball is about. It's about traditions, right? So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, pay homage to your tradition and also do that. And then hopefully not get too many uh, withering glances as I'm wolfing down for <laughs> processed dome dog knockoffs over the course of the day. <laughs> It's uh I, th- hey they're the real thing they they're not they're not knockoffs I will say that okay. but also to uh word of advice from last year, um two parts one I recommend like getting some like chopped white onions yes. and sauerkraut yes, and pickle gonna, relish okay. and then like eight a.m. when you wake up you probably wake up way earlier than I do but uh take them out of the fridge and then just set them on the counter and just get oh, a nice like room temperature yes. vibe yeah. to it kind of like the dome when you get that hot dog in the fifth inning and you're like this sauerkraut has been out for three and a half hours and it is 90 degrees today like I, that's always a good vibe i think the most important part of this is is that exactly so great great point i was always a white chopped onions on one side and yellow mustard on the other uh for my dome dogs like specifically that's that that was all i would do yeah, it's uh, I go I go ketchup, yellow mustard, white onion. I don't do sauerkraut necessarily. That I leave for the brat. I never get brats at Twins games though. Mm-hmm. I always get hot dogs. I feel like it's the one place where hot dogs are superior to brats. Ah, uh, ooh, um, ooh, because I there's the Schwager ooh. Uh, brat 
I believe at Target Field, which I will go to over a hot dog. But I also usually just trying to like call myself a cheapskate, usually just get cheese curds at the Twins game. Really? Uh, there's I've like never had cheese there's curds cheese curds. Game. I recall in the past they were on the third mezzanine or the third level up along the first baseline, and they would come in like a Liney's Lodge canoe, which would is like yeah, the yeah. worst container for delivering <laughs> cheese curds because it's obviously like one cheese curd like takes up half of the canoe. So you're like, all right. 525 for cheese curds i get like six of them but i'm not paying 525 for a hot you know i for whatever reason that's and i feel like uh the ballpark in baseball in general just lends itself so well to stupid traditions like why do i always get cheese curds when there's 27 different options at target field um so i went with but i i was i'm a bratwurst at target field uh Maybe that's just because I'm 10 years older than I was at the Metrodome and actually had disposable income of some variety. So that should be taken with a little pinch of kind of reality of where I am now compared to, you know, scalping tickets for cash and getting dollar dome dogs at student nights at the dome. Man, it was my favorite part of of Wednesday. It was Wednesdays, college night or student night, dollar dog night also. Um, I believe... Like back in the late '90s, early 2000s, or mid 2000s, like really bad Twins years, it was also Dollar Beer Night. Um, that might have been brought back also, like end of the Metrodome, like during that whole recession thing. Um, but uh, I'm always hot dog over brat just at baseball games. Mm-hmm. In mm. general, I'm very much brats are superior to hot dogs. Yeah. But there's just something about like baseball games and hot dogs or dome dogs or jumble dogs, right? And it's just like. There's just something about knowing that, like, I'm here to not try to maximize, like, the quality of the food. I'm here to, like, maximize the experience. And, again, in terms of, like, this should feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And as I bash that, uh, like, this should feel like a baseball game. And I just feel like the brats just make it a little bit more, like, this kind of feels like a grad party. Like, this feels a little bit too nice. We need to bring it back down and, like, remind ourselves that, no, this is a baseball game. It's meant to be enjoyed with, like, cheap beer. Uh, I never liked Cracker Jacks, but I understand the, the, yeah. the essence of them and hot dogs. And it's the one place. The ball one game place is the only place like. that I will get peanuts because it also, if you're going, like if I'm going with my wife and like trying to do something to be like, hey, here's something to stay engaged through this bloody, awful experience from her perspective of watching nine guys run around and uh, so forth. Like, here's a bag of peanuts. Like, we can kind of mutually work our way through this. Uh, so I'll get peanuts, and I, I so appreciate you staying in touch with your Metrodome roots. The one thing I will say about Wednesday night, student night, dollar dog night, recall that the entire upper left field corner uh, down the third baseline, second level, was packed. There was like two full sections that were always just packed, super rowdy, and then there was nobody else in the stadium, or nobody else in the Metrodome. It was just like, yep, <laughs> you got one marketing campaign that's working very well for you, Mr. Twins. It, it was excellent, and there's that, like, weird – wasn't a Jumbotron, wasn't even, like – I think it was technically a video board, but it was mostly just used to tell you, like, the scores of other games yep. and then, like, the next Twins game time and team that they're playing. And, and for this Jumbo board, it, it was just a – oh, yeah? No, the one thing I would add is when there was that leadoff walk, that is when Walks Will Hunt came up Ooh, on yeah, yeah, that yeah. light-up board, which, you know, <laughs> That's uh, pick and shovel – uh, has that as a sweater that you can purchase that I'm not wearing right now because it's one of the two 
sweaters that I wear today. It's going with the uh, tops throwback sweater. There you go. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. So if you, yeah, if you want to join me in year two of my dome dog tradition, Hey, and hot dogs, family friendly foods. So enjoyable by everybody that's around. Um, usually no complaints. I'm sold like this, this is happening. I might start prepping for this tomorrow. Um, I, I, I am still at, I, you know, kind of just that temp check on the twins again. Like I'm very, 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 very excited for baseball to start again. And this is in part just because I feel like the last couple of weeks have been this buildup, stupid, superfluous fantasy baseball drafts, uh, setting up a pick'em pool, which you've been so kind to join. Um, I'm just, I'm very attuned to baseball. And I think we've talked about this in the past pods. Like I'm more excited for baseball than I am the Minnesota twins, which is this weird space. I'm usually, you know, the twins are pulling the rest of the wagon. I'm just, I'm happy for baseball to be back. And the twins are kind of part of that. And it's a grudging kind of, I've notched it up, let's say, on a scale of 10. I'm maybe pushing that like 5.5, maybe maybe a 6 like of excitement because I think we can get into this a little bit more that this Twins team is going to be a competitive ball club day one and hopefully will be on day 162 or game 162 of this season. Now, postseason problems will, of course, always haunt. Speaking of walks, will haunt. But I... We'll get into it a little bit more. This this Twins team, I think, is, you know, on paper and through the spring, they are odds-on favorite to win the AL Central. And they just announced, Woody, what that roster looks like. And I thought today would be a great chance, two days out from the beginning of the season, to talk a little bit about the roster. I really only see, like, two kind of big, exciting, maybe three pieces, quote-unquote, exciting, um, that have changed since we talked about this roster before. But, um before doing that, it was it was a you're very excited for your opening day celebration. Does that translate to excitement for the rest of the season? However, you know, I I think we talked. I don't know if it was the last episode or it was two episodes ago, and I was uh, admittedly pretty down. I was like, hey, I, I'm not super pumped about the season. Uh, I feel like kind of like uh, the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, where it feels like very much just Gonzaga Baylor, like we can just skip the season and play the title game and we're fine. I, it was very much gearing up towards like eh, Padres, Dodgers, one of those two teams, and the Yankees, right? Yeah. It's like, ah, do we really need to do the rest of it? Yeah. But now it's like we're here, and and maybe this is like something I need to note for next year. Like I'm pumped, man. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I I I looked at the schedule on I think it's ESPN's doing this Thursday where they have like four games back to back, which there's nothing better than a weekday sporting like day of like we has to be it has to be i think like a monday through thursday yep. though i think friday saturday sunday is a little different where you just get a tv channel that just dedicates itself to just playing that sport from like noon till like 11 p.m and that's what we get this weekend thursday and i don't even know who's playing don't even care i am excited to, to you know see how like the the feel of some certain teams taking the field the padres how the dodgers look you know and like the yankees those three teams but also there's a lot of different storylines to follow now that like guys like uh, Rizzo, Correa, Chris Bryant uh, are not like super pumped. Um, like what are the like the Rays? Like what are they gonna do? Like it's it's the Blue Jays. The Springer fit in. Like there's just so many things now. And again, we'll get to the White Sox, and I kind of left out the AL Central intentionally there because we'll cover that a decent amount. But like like Lindor getting yes. offered that big deal yep. and then not not turning down. It's like it just creates more excitement to like 
again, I have this big feel, like, and, and it goes around. And I think I'm not the only one that has this like feeling or gut feeling around of guys on contract years have crazy seasons, and we have a ton of those guys this year, which means I think that we're in for, especially coming off the 60 game season last year, and, and just you know not having the full season. We're back. It's only going to get better and better. We're going to get to a couple live baseball games for the first time in over two years. Like I, like I said, it's it's March 30th. Um, talk to me again at about 3:45 p.m. Central Time on on <laughs> April 1st, Thursday, after Kenta Maeda gets shelled for a three-run bomb by Christian Yelich in the first. Don't you but say uh, that. <laughs> until that happens, until that happens, I'm pumped. And, and that's I. So I'm going to go ahead. And I'm I'm putting you slightly above on like the the excitement level but i and maybe that's just twins level maybe maybe we're both at that same like optimism for baseball and maybe the twins are just like a little bit they're like one of the baseball stories which for two guys who have talked a lot about the twins for the last lifetime is i i kind of find it a liberating space to be in and i'm i'm hopefully gonna ride that uh i'm not renouncing twins fandom by any stretch but it's just kind of like i i am a baseball fan and i kind of want to fly that flag pretty high and obnoxiously this summer um so we we have talked a little bit about it's the brewers on on thursday uh barring the early yelich bomb off of kenta your minnesota twins taking the field will face the brewers for three games that terrible skip friday uh approach they roll in the tigers next then they play the mariners before the red sox so we are talking about on paper, a great, great schedule for the Twins to build up some space. And they're going to need to do it with an opening day roster that does not include Woody, Alex Kirloff, French Rooker. Instead, features your guy, Kyle Garlic, or I should say Cousin Scotty's guy, Garlic, Williams Astadio. And I think the best, like the best story for all of Twins baseball this summer is a recently re-signed or uh, contract renegotiated Randy Dobnak as which starter? Fourth starter? Third starter? Second starter? Who knows? Sky's the limit for Randy Dobnak, who, uh, again, I think is the best feel-good story out of Twins camp. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, – and. Just to make sure, jog my memory that it's correct. He was left off the playoff roster, right? Yes. In in a weird like, what are we doing? I know he's had a bad last four outings, not even bad, but just like it's going the wrong way kind of outings. To completely leave him off was like everyone's like, hey, like you better win a playoff game than which we didn't. It, almost in a weird way, that might have helped with this contract extension. Is kind of what I was thinking when I when kind of putting it all together. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I believe it's a five-year, like $9.75 million deal, Mm -hmm. which sounds incredibly small. To be fair, it is. But there's, I believe, three options where the the team can get out of it and or like bump it up based on how he does, can grow to like about $29 million over five years for a guy who went to a college I've never heard of um, and then was a Lyft driver and Uber driver for, you know, two of the last three years. Potentially making nine million dollars. Hey, that's that's pretty good when you used to like have to worry about am I gonna have to pay two hundred dollars to clean the puke up out of this uh backseat of this car from these drunk car people. And we should be recognizing too that he is listed outside of the starting rotation at present. So the twins are rolling with the Kenta 
Barrios, Jose Barrios, Michael Pineda, Matt Shoemaker, and J.A. Half as the starting five with Randy floating in somewhere, um, which it just it's it's a deeper pitching staff when you're able to to have that available and all of a sudden like depth is a strange kind of I would take the stance that depth is one of the twins strengths um, even if it's a mediocrity kind of piece there's a lot of depth at a lot of different positions both on the ball club at the opening day roster but also waiting in the wings so to say with Kirloff and Rooker Rooker's on the taxi squad Kirloff will be back at um, at St. Paul when that season starts but again that's it's kind of a acknowledging the depth is something the twins have and is a potential strength in a season that we all know injuries happen strange things occur so it's something that the twins as the central division um on paper and per vegas odds presumed defending champions have in their back pocket and yes, I, I was looking up which school Randy Dobnak attended. And that is, he attended the Elder Son Brodus, Brodus, B-R-O-A-D-D-U-S, University of Philpy, West Virginia. So the pride it's of a tough one. The, uh, the school looking for uh, the Battlers. Battlers is their nickname, what do you mascot skirmish so Randy Dobnak again just also featured on way too many tops products of the 2021 season uh, he has a great Fu Manchu <laughs> in the top series one of which I have many copies if, if you need one for your collection might uh might swap out I might I might propose a trade for maybe a, a Ryan Mountcastle if I ever get my hands on one <laughs> don't worry um, I was gonna flash that I did find one so we're good there so maybe hey, we'll just stick hey. with the Tom Davies and uh Royal yeah, yeah, yeah. Merseyside Blue for a Randy Dobnak, but <laughs> yeah, we'll figure something out. But uh, yeah, no, I it it is weird because, and this is something again that we've talked about over the you know the off season here. How our let's let's call it disappointment in some areas with the Falvey and Levine. Le, yeah, it has to be Levine, not Levine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Le, Levine kind of, I don't know, I what was what they used to call the Vikings like. Like brain trust yeah. thing back yep. in the day with uh, Childress and we didn't have a technically a GM and blah blah whatever but um, there was a little worry there because Dominic had like what a sub one ERA this, this spring training again I get it spring training but it's one of those things that both doesn't mean anything but also means something kind of at the same time uh, the fact that he couldn't get uh, one of the starting spots just the again just the judgment side of it where it's like man like what is your plan here? I don't hate the extension, even if you just want him to be like a long reliever. I think to have a guy that you can trust, a guy that you know, a guy that you know who the the, the, the person is for a team like us, who that, that stuff kind of matters. We can't be like the Tampa Bay Bucks and going out and taking flyers on Antonio Brown types. We're just not like that kind of level of organization. So you know who he is. You know he's a good guy. Um, like to, to do that, even if you think he's just going to be a middle relief guy for those five years, eh, what, you know, sub $2 million a year, that's a pretty good number. Um at the same time, like, I just feel like this is a classic Twins move of you bring in Shoemaker, you bring in J.A. Happ, and then you, like, and then Pineda you bring back. And instead of, like, being the right guy is the right guy, yeah. you're like, you know what? Like, I don't care how good you do and how impressed you are with us. 
we're just because we signed them, we're gonna play them and give them the shot. In which case, I'll bring this back around. Why the fuck is Alex Kirilov not our starting left fielder then? Like in that, that's where it's like then it should be. There's there's too many inconsistencies there. If you're gonna give just give J A half the spot, yeah. who was out with COVID for part of it and probably needs like maybe a start or two in spring training or extended spring training just to keep going, which I think is super explainable to everybody. Or in Shoemaker, like to me, Dominic was on this team last year, did well for us. Yes, the end of it tailed off, and then he was left off the playoff roster unexplainably. In which case, you didn't win a game, so that that decision was also kind of stupid, in my opinion. And then to again, it's just like okay, if you're gonna do that with Shoemaker and Hap and just put him in there, why do you then just not put Krill off in left field and just ride that out for? Especially like you just listed off the four teams we're playing out of the gates. The Brewers, the Tigers, uh, the Red Sox. I forget that third the third team you threw in there. Um, like, how do you not – is it the Royals? Uh, no, Mariners. Mariners, Mariners. Yeah. Like, bottom half teams. So, like, this is perfect. They're going to – but, again, it's just I, – I don't get it. Not to say that Garwick didn't earn it mm-hmm. and see. Again, hey, yep. I'm cool with – if Garwick's going to get it, though, I think Dominic should have got the fifth spot. Rest my case. Yeah, and that's I haven't seen what the projected starters are for the the four or five. You know, with this weird day off, I feel like there's also this weird. You know, how many days do you have? How many weeks do you have to wait until like MLB rosters are MLB rosters with like teams trying to save save money with options and service time? You know, that kind of like funkiness and like what's going to eventually probably bite this entire game and its hindquarters. Uh, so, you know, what we, we shall easily see here as that takes place. It reminds me a lot this last year, the approach of bringing in Rich Hill and um, Homer Bailey to essentially J.A. Happ and, um, and Shoemaker, Shoemaker this year. I mean, it's yeah. just it's all over again. Now, last year that did not in a 60 game sample size and, and ultimately the Twins still made the playoffs. Here, it's so much more important that those four and five guys are winning you ball or putting you in positions to win ball games over the course of that stretch because you're going to need those guys. And if you feel like they can do that better than Randy Dobnak, okay. But Randy also, yeah, I, I like your point. I think it's a great moment to just like be like, this is the strange kind of imbalance that we as fans kind of are seeing and kind of like what why these decisions are made so i i think it i think it's a great critique um and it kind of tempers my excitement i was just kind of like oh sweet this is a great story and i wonder if randy dabnak's like why am i not getting the ball (laughs) and getting four of every (laughs) single week uh so Hey, thanks for the signing bonus, but I really want to pitch. Um, like, <laughs> I, can I give the money back and I can just be the fifth starter? Uh, yeah, no, it's I, and this is one of those things that you know I, I will be the first to admit that like I'm not a baseball like deep analytics or like game management kind of thought. I'm more, uh, on the lines of like I love the the kind of like putting teams together and the money side of things for sure, but. To me, this is a, this is a great opportunity to try something that I've always thought like, why isn't this a thing? Where as your fifth starter to have to accommodate having six starters in your rotation, you just say like, hey, and we'll just use. So we do have the information of like the the rotation of the order. So it's going to be Maeda, Barrios, Pineda, 
and then it's going to go Shoemaker, Hap, back to Maeda, so that Barrios is pitching next Thursday on opening on home opener for us, or Thursday or Friday, whenever that is. Um, why won't you have? We'll just use Jay Hap because he's listed as the fifth starter on that order. Hap, you're getting four innings. Dominic, you're getting four innings. We're just giving it to you. Like that's how it's going to work. Yeah. So it's basically a start. And then in the ninth inning, if we're working well, and we'll go back and forth with this. Or if you guys want to figure out one guy gets five innings, one gets four innings, if it's working. Otherwise, we, we'll get to the ninth inning, and then we'll make a call if we need to throw a reliever in there, a closer, if it's a tight game, whatever. Um, but, like, if it's the seventh or eighth inning, and you're at your second time through the order, like, we need you to work on that stuff. And it's the fifth starter. Like, whose fifth starter is going 18-4 and four with a 2.4 ERA? Nobody's, right? Yep. So, you, and again, I'm like, they're – you're hoping he's 500. So, like, I think it's that's a way, like, you save bullpen arms. You can, again, have basically six starters and like and then kind of figure it out. And if one just absolutely sucks in that rule, hey, now we kind of figure out who it is. Um, and I don't know. Maybe that's the plan. Maybe it's, you know, and we're just waiting for somebody, like you said, someone to get hurt. Now we have the depth, something that you get worried about because we literally apparently don't have a starting pitcher in our uh, farm system that's major league caliber whatsoever. <laughs> um and uh, as much as I would love those uh, Blazovich uh, rookie uh, refractors or whatever I got uh, <laughs> come my way before PSA shut down their submissions, which we will get to at the end of this. But, uh, yeah, it, it the, the starting rotation overall, to me, screams good enough to get to the playoffs. I mean, I'll say good enough to win a playoff game, right? I, I, that's something that we have to get over that, hur- you know, that hurdle first before we can start talking about series. Um, I have my concerns of as it's constructed currently, whether it's good enough to get deep into like an ALCS situation. Yeah. Um, which we've talked about this at length is, uh, fingers crossed for a pitcher from Cincinnati making his way yep. over here. Yep. Which I mean, I would. There's like three still that are very interesting. I said a pitcher. Yeah, I don't care. Four. Give me any of them. Yeah. Come on over. Uh, yeah. I, I want to pose like the question of like again, strangely enough. Twins pitching staff is not what what is present preventing on paper this team from being a playoff team. In fact, it's probably like their greatest strength to being a playoff team because especially last year's sample size and all the evidence we saw that this was a good pitching team. Offense, Woody. That is what I am kind of excited to see for this Twins team. And not excited, I have trepidations about. I have trepidations of health and you know, will Simmons work out? I think glove wise, great. You know, he's got a couple weeks behind everybody you know, coming to camp a little bit later. But I'm still like Nelson Cruz is the big E for me. I don't think we saw the production that we would have liked to seen from an aging Josh Donaldson. And I, I'm sure Josh would love to do his rainmaker thing here or whatever. Uh, but we didn't see that last year. He was injured quite a bit. So it's still like, I think the Twins, and I'm just wondering how you feel about this pitching-wise, albeit the back end a little bit shaky, and we're going to have to see what Colomay and Rogers do, but the, the pitching, I think, is a is on paper a more sure bet than this offense. And that's an offense that's going to feature a trio of guys mixing it up in left field. Um, a Kepler coming off a rough spring. Buck come on, stay healthy. You know, each position almost has like a question mark or kind of like a Nick against it. Who's, who's the guy on this, on this squad offensively that you're like, guarantee you're like, that's my money bet. Like that guy's going to be solid. The only guy you're going to do that is going to be your DH. Who's 40 years old. 
who unless you know defies time yet again like who who on this team are you are you putting your money on offensively to carry you uh number 64 one williams <laughs> is, the, is the correct answer to that question um no it which again i still find so hilarious that he's listed as a catcher in uh on on that but if, if anybody um, is listening please stop and just look at the video of williams Ostadio. i think from two days ago getting in a little bit of a tussle with the pittsburgh pirates second baseman <laughs> after legging out a bloop double <laughs> it's great he like kind of throws hands at him and he's just it's just everything about williams Ostadio is is the greatest the twins have the two best like characters in baseball i feel like right now we've got randy dobnak and a fu manchu mustache who just unabashedly wears it and then you got all things williams Ostadio. but back back to the offense question so are you proposing that williams Ostadio starts and where would you like to have him <laughs> <laughs> i that, that's, a, that's a great that's a great question of like where where is the ideal uh fit for williams Ostadio on this team and uh, why do you feel the need to keep three catchers on the uh, big league? <laughs> um, just because he can play all seven positions doesn't mean he should play seven positions. Uh, no, I – yeah, the, the offense, it's – as I look over this again, it's question marks. It's question marks and asterisks and a lot of if statements, right? And that's – it gets it gets tough. Um, I, I think that we are – pretty like on aligned with like a lot of the players there's two players i think though that for me stick out one being i think that we are like it's the least aligned we are on him and that's nelson cruz i i think he still has it um i i look at it i look at like the makeup of it he is aging but again the stuff he's aging in it's like okay so he runs to first base in seven seconds instead of 6.8 like who cares like it's it's kind of stuff like that where it's like it's it he was never going to beat out a ground ball to begin with, so I'm not like worried about that kind of stuff. He seems to still have the pop in the bat. I know the advanced stats last year show that he was losing some stuff there, uh, and while he still could put the ball over the fence, it was like he's doing it, but like it's he's getting closer to the min quals of like launch angle and bat speed and ball speed and stuff like that. Uh, I still think he has a 285, 32, 90 season in him, which. We, we still don't have. And, again, that's playing 120 games because he's not going to play any of the interleague stuff yeah. uh, that we have to travel for now that they can't use DH for that. Um, and we were playing him, like, until he got hurt, even when he did get hurt, like, every game last year. So we weren't giving him rest days. Um, he's, again, he wears the baggier jerseys and the baggier pants, so he looks like he's a heavy set guy. He's not. He's a pretty, like, built guy. Um, I think he, again, I thought he was, you know, dark horse uh, – MVP candidate last year. Um, again, I get the DH thing, but everyone had a DH, and he doesn't play in the field. All that mm-hmm. stuff, understandable. Um, but the other guy to me, and if I were to have to pick who I think is going to be our one all-star representative, um, guaranteed, right? And then obviously if there's other guys that are having great seasons, they make it too. Uh, I'm putting my money on Max Kepler this year. I think that there's somewhere in there, right around this time of your career, where it's about going on like year six, year seven, um, you kind of have showed those flashes of being a guy that might have 30 home run power. Yeah. You've shown the flashes of being a guy that might be able to bat 300, shown the flashes of a guy that might be able to, you know, leg out 25, 30 doubles, maybe 85 plus RBI. Uh, 
I think it's his time. I, I really do, and I think it's this is the year. And if it doesn't happen this year, then it's like, okay, then he just is that $7 million a year player. But I think if he's looking at it too, where it's like, there's a chance that I can make a lot of money off this. And mm-hmm. not that that's the motivation, but I think he's primed to be, and I don't know what the order is going to be. I know that we flirted with him being the leadoff guy, flirted with him as a three, the six, whatever. Um, I think he's a perfect guy. Is Nelson Cruz our four-hitter or three-hitter? Kind of goes back and forth a little bit, right? I mean, there's no Eddie now, so I, I, yeah, I think yeah. four. It, it'll be, again, this is a Twins. It's going to be a, a platoon in left field. So that, I don't know where that will exactly kind of influence what Rocco puts together. But yep. Sounds like a nine-hitter to me. Yep. Uh, uh, and then I think he's a three-hitter. I think that's where I'd stick Kepler. I'd put Cruz behind him, and then I would put Donaldson behind Cruz. And I would just say, this is set, and we figure the rest out. And until Sano can show us that he's not going to swing at any ball that like looks close to a strike, uh, he's got to be somewhere else. Yeah. But I, I think between between Kepler and between Nelson Cruz, I think we got two guys there that, hey, if we can get other guys to just do what they're capable of doing, I think we're going to be okay. And that's this this might be a good approach to this. It's kind of, again, going around the horn, but also uh, setting out a lineup for this Twins team. I think you've got, with, with Kepler, Arias, uh, or I should say Kepler and Polanco, everyday players are at the top of this lineup. Either we have one, two, or three. I, I still think it's, you know, all the past precedent has Buxton hitting nine. And we're, unless, is he going to be your leadoff guy? I don't know. So if Kepler had that leadoff experience, I would almost say Kep's first, then you got Polanco, and then it's a matter of maybe shuffling everything up from there. And then Nelson hits three. Donaldson four, Sano five, and let's let's cast around. Then you've got the likes of Simmons, Garver, or Jeffers in there uh, somewhere, as well as I still think Buxton's number nine for this team. It's just what they've done in the past. So if, if we're at hitting fifth is going to be Sano, sixth Jeffers or Garver, seventh is Jake Cave. Eighth is Simmons and ninth is Buxton. That's that's where I guess I, I kind of see things going. Now I would love for Kepler to be in that number three side. And I do think you are on saying like Kepler and I would say Polanco as well are probably the two other guys that you're like, we think we know what we can get from these guys. Like there's not there's not a big, big question mark with those. I think Polanco might even be the, the dark horse, I'd say, to be maybe back on track to 2019 compared to 2020. Like he might be the one that benefits the most from from a move the second hopefully can kind of nestle in and and produce like he was he was huge that 2019 team so kept polanco would be my two and more so polanco would be the guy that i'm kind of hoping gets back to we can see 2019 obviously without the juice balls but you know producing and then then it's again it's you got sano and donaldson who i just Snow is a big question mark just for that. You pointed it out, swinging that bat too much and, and hurting the team. And Donaldson, let's just, it's Donaldson and Buxton's health. We talked about this before in previous pods. It's going to be huge for this offense. Those guys, if they are playing at the levels they're capable of, especially Byron, like then boom, you've got like, this is a lineup that's filthy because those are your two most dangerous hitters. And you can get what you can get from Nelson and you can have support from Kepler and Polanco like that's that's the ideal situation for this lineup is a healthy Buxton a healthy Donaldson 
Yeah, it's I the one thing that worries me the most out of everything is man, if we're on the wrong side of this Josh Donaldson career, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Like that's 22 million, maybe 21, whatever, right? Low 20 million dollars in a team that cannot afford to pay that to a guy that's going to bat 235 and hit you only like 18 home runs. Yeah. Um I'm looking at the last 2 years, the one year in Atlanta where he played 155 games. Awesome. Had five, 549 point uh, at bats. Uh and in that year he did hit 37 home runs, so hopefully the power's there. Mm-hmm. Um That was his NL comeback I, player of the year year, correct? Yeah, yeah. But what worries me is you start looking at some of the other things is he batted 259 that year. And then, uh, you know, he slugged well because of the home runs, obviously, right? But, like, you go to next year, which is the first year of the Twins last year, pandemic shortened season, obviously had the injuries, right? There's legitimate concerns. But goes and hits six home runs, batting 222. And you remember some of those at-bats and stuff, some of those games. And it looked like he was just having to just labor and try so hard just to, like yeah. – make contact and i get worried of k healthy i think he's in a better mindset now i think everybody is great but like there is there is significantly less reason to believe he's going to turn it around than there is to believe that he might be a 240 guy in which case him and sano are the same guy at that point then and that's tough to have two of those guys just absolutely just black hole in your lineup and you're you're i mean the Donaldson's defense riding to it defensively and just saying like our left side of the infield is freaking awesome, but we don't have anybody that is a ground ball pitcher outside of Randy Dobnak and Randy Dobnak apparently now is a strikeout pitcher. So, and, and Simmons, you know, like the production levels there, um, he certainly, I, I feel like if we can get anything out of him and he keeps that defense, like great grand, like that's the kind of shortstop we have. We, we don't have a Fernando Tatis. We do not have uh, Boba Shet. Like, that's fine. We're going to win without the superstar shortstop carrying us. So I'm like, anything we can get from Simmons, great, great. Um, and this Twins team, you know, the last kind of point offensively, I think two points is catcher. Like, at this point in time, I, I, if Jeffers outproduces, I, I don't know what we're going to get from those two. And if Ostadio's playing there, who knows? But that, that's just kind of like, I, we'll see with what happens. I mean, two years ago, Woody, how many home runs did Mitch Garver have in the last season? It's like, maybe there's some bounce back, hopefully there. We'll see. It's just, that's the other kind of question of like, what do they have there? And, you know, finally this, on the final note for me, for the offensive side of it is, how are you going to get Luis Arias in enough? Like, if, if he's not pinch hitting any close game, like, he needs to be like if he's like that's what the dude does he gets great at bats and is going to bring you something I, I hope it's going to be very interesting to see how they work him in and like you said rest days are now going to be much more of an option for Cruz you have some flexibility left field second short so I just I hope we can get some at bats for Luis Arias and I hope that Williams Astadio isn't taking Luis Arias at bats yeah it from what it sounds like uh I don't know if we have like a. I mean, Jake Cave is faster than you know some of the guys in the in the team, and you know Garwick is probably faster than some guys. But from what it sounds like, is like Ostadio is there basically to 
again, because like you said, we don't know what we have at catcher, which is such a weird thing to say. But then I looked back and the last time Maurer was like a full time catcher was 2013. Yeah. <laughs> so we've basically been like undecided at catcher since 2014. Um, so if anything, this is now more normal than even like the Maurer run of it. But uh, it as and this sucks because it's like Osadio, Arias are like probably two of my more like fan like yeah. Yep. They're the fan basis, like the yep. the fan friendly kind of players, right? Uh, I don't think there's a spot for either of them right now, um, and that's what made the Simmons signing really weird to me. Was I'm glad he's on the team, but like at the cost of maybe Luis Arias, like not getting more than 250 plate appearances this year, is that worth it? Simmons, a guy who very well, yeah, Gold Glove at, at shortstop potential, awesome. There's also the potential he bats 230. Yeah. Like, yeah. we, and again, I don't know if we know Arias is going to be like a 290 higher hitter, but he sure seems like it. Um, and, and it's not like we got a, a guy in Simmons that's going to blast 25, 30 home runs with it. He's going to hit about 11. Okay. Arias hits two a year. Two and 11 is not that much different. Like, to me, I'd rather get the extra like 30 to 40 hits that Arias is going to yep. give you. Yep. Yeah. The defense with Polanco is a worry, but uh, it, it's just, I don't know. I just don't. I just, it, it could, I worry a little bit. And then the left field thing, which it feels like it's going to be Kirillov. And hopefully he comes up and we can just get avoid so the arbitration stuff works out. But then that means left field's gone too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to hope Buxton gets hurt and then we have to move Kepler there. And yep. now Arise has, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. So it's like, and, 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 you know, the flip side of this, and I think this is where we can bring it a little bit into what other teams don't have. Is they don't have mm-hmm. options, Woody. The Twins have options yeah. baked this in here, left and right. It's like, you know, if, if Garlic or Cave, a duo of those are your starting left fielders, and Arias is waiting in the wings, that's better than not having Eloy Jimenez and having nobody to fill an Eloy Jimenez-sized hole in your lineup. Which is what our South Side rivals ended up with, losing Eloy for five to six months. And this is kind of like the wider world of baseball. I love your point about contract years like just so much potential with this season and the first big blow is one that sucks for baseball but really benefits the twins like really oh man does it take a chicago white Sox team that had like a full head of steam and just doused a bunch of cold water on them uh with losing eloy and my maybe their second best hitter like at least proven wise a little bit more a proven track record than Lou Bob, uh, you know, behind Timmy Anderson, who I love. Um, but he, you know, Eloy's bat like 40 home runs gone, 90 plus RBI gone. And you got a Brayu Anderson, Luis Robert, Andrew Vaughn's scared, scared of Andrew Vaughn, Woody, but it's, it's still, it's, this is such a big boost for the twins, at least on paper right away. And that's, again, the Twins would have solutions readily available for that, which we would still find like, okay, that's actually great. Now Arias has more at-bats or, okay, great. We get to see what Kirilov uh, has for us. And, you know, our, the toll that that would take if Donaldson got hurt, that's scary. Then you're starting Austin Eo third base on a daily basis. Like, that's a significant drop-off, but you know, the twins have seemingly a lot of roster flexibility um, either to go back to what we did in 2019 or excuse me, 2020. Um, whereas the white Sox do not. Yeah. It's uh 
it, it's tough, like you said, tough for baseball, specifically for us and probably fans of the podcast. It's an awesome thing because, yeah, you're taking out a guy that had real, like, elite ability to just, with one swing of the bat, just have that, like, fear that this ball is going 450 feet over the left field fence without him even really trying that hard. Um, and then the guys that replace him are, like, Adam Engel yeah. or – Eaton, uh, I think of the potentials. I although now, as they're trying to look up the White Sox twenty-six man roster, apparently they're calling Andrew Vaughn a left fielder slash designated hitter all of a sudden. Yep. So it's yep. like, which honestly is great from the outfield perspective <laughs> of like just lace every ball to left field if Andrew Vaughn's out there. At the same time, though, it's like, man, but if he's just like the same thing, which we think he is to Eloy bat wise, it's like all of a sudden now, while yes, their depth took a little bit of a hit. They're just replacing like like mind with like minded guy, and that does still get scary. But again, from a Twins perspective, of did our job just get easier because we don't have to worry about a two sixty five, forty four, hundred and ten slash guy all of a sudden? Yeah, it's like way easier. Uh, luckily for them, they still have seven bats that are just absolutely like just awe striking. Well. Just like what yeah. the hell are you supposed to do with this? So, and the one thing it was kind of like this was like our plan against. I would imagine a plan against Chicago with Eloy in left field would be to hit the ball to left field because like, that was his big knock is I think it's like defensively just kind of a disaster waiting and lo and behold. Uh, so just be careful out there, Byron, if you're, if you're listening to this or wherever you are, just uh, be gentle, be gentle. It would be fun to see you play 140 plus games. Oh my God. It would be great to see you play 140 games. Uh, looking around the rest of the landscape of baseball itself, uh, there's some interesting stuff happening with Prince um, Lindor in New York, which he turned down their latest offer. Uh, they were looking to do a contract extension for Francis, Francisco Lindor before opening day. And again, there is so many shortstops coming available next year. Um, there's other big contracts that are looming. It's just, I think there's just a lot of storylines to plot. So it, were there any other ones that you were, watching closely woody um I, I i'll be just checking in as much as possible on how the padres versus dodgers rivalry builds over the course of the summer and watching the next savior of baseball fernando tatis uh, as much as possible as well are my are my like two things non-twins related and focused yeah in terms of yeah like summarizing like a quick like two or three things of baseball that i'm excited for going into the season uh yeah i won't echo too much the padres dodgers stuff just everything involved with those two teams i think is going to be great i think um the the threat that the dodgers people think might win 117 plus games and break the record blah 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 all that stuff i don't think it'll happen because they have the padres literally in their division but um just again the excitement of that being super relevant uh to me it's the al east is like the most interesting mm. Kind of like, I like that. Not from a pure baseball point. I will admit that. I think there's three just absolutely, well, two absolute dud teams, and then one team that's like, hey, we just got rid of our two best pitchers and a team that was very pitcher dominant, <laughs> getting us to the World Series and the Rays. And we'll still um, figure and, out a way to be. Yeah. We'll still be like 85 and 70, whatever the math works on that, 78 or 77, right? And like, just be in the mix. Um, but specifically, it's the young guys there, and how are they going to mix up? So, like, Toronto loaded. It's the Bichette. It's the uh, Vlad Guerrero. It's um, I'm trying to think of Kevin, uh, other outfield. Kevin, yeah, Biggio. 
they they got just names names names. Uh, they have mention, Ryu is one. Tiasco awesome Hart player. Hernandez in Louisiana. Yeah, Tiasco. And they've got yep. yeah, and I, I like their their pitching staff. Albeit it didn't work out for Kirby Yates. Hey, um, but yeah, so Toronto is interesting. Of like, are they a contender or are they a pretender? Because I think this is kind of one of those years where you got to figure out these young guys what they are. Um, and you're a team that probably doesn't have a lot of moves left available unless you just get an influx of cash, which I don't think is coming. Um, that's one thing. But really, the it's the young guys. So it's the the Mount Castles, which we kind of joked about. Is Ali Rushman going to get oh. up this year? Um, like that's yeah. We we have we have you know, vested, vested interest in that specifically <laughs> with one of us. Um, and I I think if you're Baltimore, you gotta show some sort of like, hey, yeah, let's let's get these guys up, especially Rushman who played college ball, right? So he's there. Um, and then with like Boston with Bobby Dahlbeck, do they finally have their corner infield like power hitter back into like again? Hopefully having a three four five hitter uh, with Devers uh, as well of like hey maybe we have something here and then throw Bogarts in there. That's a decent little core. Uh, but to me, it's the young guys on the Rays and what specifically is Wander Franco ah. going to be that next kind of Tatis kind of field guy? Like a lot of people are thinking it. Um, is he there? From what it sounds like, he's not going to have the the home run stuff yet, and that's why they're kind of holding him back as well as to control the, the years and arbitration stuff. But it he's a guy that people could see easily as a 335, 100 guy with 40 yeah. stolen base plus potential, which, again, I get stolen bases aren't a thing much. But just the, the teams in the AL East, and again, the Yankees obviously loaded with a farm system and, and then loaded on the front end too, uh, with Toronto's farm system basically being – three years ahead of the other threes mm-hmm. just the al east they've got like a bunch of interesting pieces and remember like you can only send you know three teams to the playoffs with how it's constructed and two of them have to be wild cards uh it it's going to be an interesting like going forward but i want to see is there someone going to emerge as okay That's tatis awesome. is here like he's no longer coming like tatis is here is there and i think it's going to come out of the oh, al geez. east of yeah. can we get uh a don't uh, not a domit uh Ryan Domit came up in a conversation earlier this week, so I've been obsessed with like fitting him in wherever I can. But uh, is it going to be like a Mount Castle, Bobby Dahlbeck, yeah. Wander Franco? Like who out of that group, Abby Rushman, is going to show up? And yeah. um, that can be said probably about all six divisions, but that that the AL East is kind of the top. Yeah, and I, I really like that. I'm just kind of thinking quickly off of the the rookie card names that have moved. And I think using the sports cards in general, and I think this applies for basketball, especially basketball, as we're sitting on the eve of the biggest basketball release, where they're like card values are, I, I feel like it's this merger of fantasy sports, actual sports in the card market, where like, you name it, Anthony Edwards goes off for 40 points, and all of a sudden, like, his card is worth that much. And baseball's like, I'm really interested to see how that happens this year, Woody, with, you know, you named it Mountcastle, with Dahlbeck, with Joe Adele, Kristen Pache, but most of those names are in the East. And there's there's a couple other, like Nate Pearsons, the, the pitchers there. It's just, there's some young players that made themselves, uh, Alex Baum in Philly, um, made their presence felt last year, as well as the big names, the Rushmans, the Wander Francos. Uh, <laughs> Kansas City Royal fans might be just like screaming for Bobby Witt Jr. to make an appearance here uh after his monster spring to an extent just the what 450 foot home run he hit or something uh so i i really like that as well like these are the things to watch out for in the al east which i was kind of like is boston kind of figuring it back out kind of which is like i 
I would hate to see the East be untouchable again. I, I kind of like the Yankees being uh, one or two injuries, which will happen, of course, with their core, and then trying to re- depend on Corey Kluber to do the rest of it. So I was like, fallible Yankees, interesting. I hope, my, my sincere hope is that Toronto can edge them out and somehow the Twins don't have to play the Yankees <laughs> in order to get over this goddamn thing. Uh, See, the, the fear with that is that somehow the the White Sox, if, 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 if the Blue Jays win the AL East, the White Sox are winning the yeah. AL Central. It's going to be a Yankees-Twins <laughs> wildcard game in, like, Yankee Stadium. And, like, that's what's – so it's like, oh, this isn't better. Um, yeah. But, no, yeah, I think, yeah, Bomb's a great one. Uh, Witt's a great one. Uh, Pitching-wise, there's a bunch. You know, Sixto Sanchez is going to get a shot. Casey Mize is going to get a I shot this year. I was going to say, this is um, – for all of what we're saying about the East – apply that to this is just a crystal ball gazing Detroit is not necessarily coming, but Detroit has arms. They've got, uh, uh, Torkelson's their big dude further down, but Scooble Mize, like there are some good young arms in Detroit's system, which it's, it's, I just, I love this connection to kind of like in, in baseball card prospecting of going through Bowman's and trying to find your JK first Bowman's, uh, let's say in a 2015 product, right? <laughs> he just laughed. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like these are these are guys that have gotten hype in that hobby, and now it's like now they're making their presence known on kind of like they're more readily available in the top series one, but also they're they're about to like take that next step into the spotlight, which I, I love from like a perspective of like, now these are guys that are getting drafted in the sixth round of your fantasy baseball draft. You're like who's Ryan Mountcastle? Well, he's a big deal because he has the potential to be that. So yeah, it's, I, I think for me, it's kind of, again, tied to that larger, like I'm just excited for baseball. I'm excited for some of these younger guys and, and hoping that against hope that we can see not only what they do in 2021, but 2022 as well. Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget the, uh, the two uh, Seattle Mariners players that the uh, GM on his, on his way out uh, briefly mentioned, Hey, by the way, we're going to, yeah, definitely not start them in, in the majors so we can preserve that six year. But, uh, and that's a uh, Julio Rodriguez and oh. uh, Jared Kalenic, who Kalenic, I think is the real deal. But um, that being said, I think this, like you said, good transition into the cards part. And maybe next time we'll start with cards so we can balance this out. And again, we're working, we're working through adding new content here. So the, ba- the balance part's not perfect. We'll try to but, sprinkle it in there. Uh, yeah. As, as yeah. Yeah. On. Throughout, throughout. Um, but no, I think uh, it's interesting with a lot of these guys now. We, we've talked about it with the Series 1 stuff, with all the rookies, and it's it's weird to feel with Series 1. It felt like there was, and I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it felt like there was like 8 to 10. Like, we might, this might be the 2024, like, all-star lineup. Like, it felt mm-hmm. like guys that are, like, relevant and, like, ready to hit yeah. home runs and, like, ready to take yep. over. For the first time in a while, it wasn't just like, oh, we're going after like one guy and like hopefully two more show up. It's like yes. we have eight or ten and we might still have those like two or three show up. So I think that like that to me is a big part. But like in connection to news that we got today with PSA announcing that they are no longer going to grade basically through July or till July. They have like a 10 million card backlog backlog right now, which they have mentioned or rumored. People had rumored that was like around that number um, officially pausing everything. Uh, kind of throw it back to you with this. Like, where do you see the card stuff going now for the next four months as baseball ah. starts to heat up and like we get closer to football? The draft's gonna happen. Uh, well, you know, we're tomorrow's a big day for us going to look for some prison basketball, yep. for hopefully retail, finding that. So, 
now that we can't send a PSA, not that we we're getting it back anyways, but like, what do you think is going to, how does this affect you and how you look at stuff? Uh, it makes me very thankful that I did get a Joe Adele and a Bobby Dahlbeck. I believe I sent a Dahlbeck in paper top series one in when we did. Uh, I, I, I think with PSA grading services being out till July and nobody else in the grading game on their level or being able to ramp up to meet like the demands for this, like there is no other option other than it's going to be a great stress test, Woody, for the sports cards market. Like how much of this depended on this idea that you would be able to rip something, get it graded and, and increase your value. It's going to this. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and n- nobody does, of course. But I think it's a wonderful stress test for the entire hobby to say, like, if we're out there jostling, if we run into lines with folks and if we do get our hands on some prism 2020, 2020, 2021 NBA prism tomorrow or over the next couple of days, if we open that up, what do we do if we hit Nant Edwards? What do we do if we hit a lamella ball? And this, especially because I think last year, especially a lot of folks sent those base prism rookies in any parallel of even one of the remotely top 20 guys they sent in to get graded. So there's probably hundreds, thousands of those base for all of the dudes from previous football, basketball, and probably baseball too, um, getting graded. So I think like pausing the market there is going to have this wonderful moment for to be like, okay, what's this mean for the base value? Just raw. I, I, if there continues to be interest in baseball cards, basketball cards, especially football and basketball, I should say, then yeah, that should paper should just keep going up because there hasn't been any check. But if so many folks were in this hobby just to try to make money off of grading or the potential for somebody else to grade and get a profit there, and that's what determined value, then we should see a slowdown. Like, again, it's just, it's going to be, what does this mean for that? And it's going to be easy to track. Like we should be able to see like, what's a Lamello going for right now? Uh, what's it going to go for in a week? Like people are still just nuts for this stuff and just are first time in the hobby and feel like they need to get it. They don't care if it's PSA graded. They don't care if it's raw. They just want to get it. Prices should keep going up, which should show the good health and vitality of the industry. If prices go down, then clearly PSA's decision really has a marketed market influence. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, a lot of good points there. Um, the two things I get most worried about is the raw mar- the raw card market, which we've had our issues the last couple weeks with eBay, which is kind of the only one to do it on. Um, and I wish there was a better one. I really do. I wish there was kind of a way to to do that and maybe that's a possible business venture out there for somebody but um like the raw card market i think if you can't send the psa like what do you do do you just does that go up does that go down does that make the psa slabs that exist already more valuable like it's just this weird thing where we know it's coming back in four months which doesn't seem like a long time but is and then also potentially like we might get if there's 10 million cards in the in the backlog that means 10 million psa cards are coming on the market too from all sorts of stuff. And again, probably about 2 million of those are a bunch of idiots putting in like a bunch of dumb, like second year, uh, <laughs> like Randy Dobnik or like, Hey, I found this really cool refractor of Jorge Polanco from the 2019 top series tours, you know, stuff like that, where it's just like, okay, cool. Personal collection stuff. Like yeah. it's almost should be like, let's get this into like a personal collection kind of you know thing. But, uh, 
the other thing too is like how does this affect the other yeah. perception of the other grading companies and i think beckett is already kind of an established thing with the subgrades it's very really tough to me though and this is what i kind of get excited about is hda has the hybrid grading i forget what the a stands for whatever right is they have a moment here where they could really take over and I I already was leaning towards being HGA only going forward, uh-huh. um, and some piece some stuff to PSA if if it made sense. But I'm not waiting 12 months for cards anymore. But there's only 2,500 slots a week. Um, costs a little bit more, although compared to PSA these days, it actually costs less. Um, but there's just not a market for it. Uh, to me, HGA represents a possibility of it becoming like the supreme of like cards. Of wow, you have an HGA 9.5 of fill in the blank prospect or whatever of Alonzo ball or a Lamelo ball or an Anthony Edwards, uh, or the first Trevor Lawrence prism HGA, like 9.5. And it's just like, are we going to get to this point where PSA dumps too many cards on the market? It's like, PSA is, it's not that cool anymore. I know it's trusted, but we've all seen the pictures too of like, how did this get a 10 and the centering's off and looks like it's like a four. So, um, it, it's an interesting like thing because they had already mentioned like we raised prices three times so we didn't have to cut it off. Well, they raised prices and they cut it off. So like, I think there's a lot of people too that are going to get kind of butthurt about that, rightfully so. Yep. Um, but I it, it's a weird time right now to do it going into the baseball season, and again, this is where it really sucks that Royce Lewis tore his ACL for a lot of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but specifically, like man, to have those kind of locked down and now all of a sudden it's like. Do you really want to risk the the raw you know card market on eBay and getting some some print lines on there that you can't see? I don't know. Yeah, I, I felt like this is just it. If you're taking out the premium grading slabbing service, all of their existing stock has a, an immediate uptick in value, or like just it's kind of like because there's they're now not you can't you're not going to find them. I like that point about 10 million cards are going to eventually hit the market. That means like 10 like again. 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 bowl bowl rookie slabbed up prisms that somebody has or taco fell, you know, for it, it's, that's going to, and maybe I, I, I tend to think like PSA had to do this to try to like get ahead of that and then kind of see where the dust settles. Like this was their time to try to figure out what the heck they're doing. And I, I don't, I am, I understand people might be upset about this. I'd, I was never like trying to get those cards back as quickly as possible. So again, like I, I'm sitting here being like, I'm fine that my cards aren't coming back for another six months still. Like that's, that's okay. But I don't know how much of the market did want that back or is now going to be like hurt by that. So I, I think, yeah, there absolutely is an opportunity. I still don't see anybody eclipsing PSA. And I think this actually was what PSA needed to do to kind of like get right right the ship so to say and hopefully but you like you said we don't really have much evidence that they care at all so which (laughs) private company can do what it wants to do unfortunately they have like five thousand dollars hopefully worth of my stuff because the tatis is going to be a 10 right yeah right it it, it's 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 just like a weird thing too right or it's like something that shouldn't take this long is and why we waited till now to stop that right 10 million uh which i know they're they're in the process of hiring more uh 
more graders and you, it's not like it's just like a, a warehouse position where you can just go find 10 bodies off the street and, and start doing it and i get it although like i said we all have seen those pictures of the psa 10s where it looks like a blind warehouse person graded it so uh at the same time like they had 25 graders if you have a backlog of a million cards <laughs> let alone 10 million you need to shut it down okay like the, the fact it got this bad is just like to me it's unacceptable it's just like no and it's not a raised prices thing because again these cards that we're sending in there is like this isn't worth it this if i want to go send like a, a personal collection card like a williams Osadio rookie card for example right or something like that right it i don't want to spend 25 dollars to get it 12 months later yeah that to me yeah. seems real especially because i know in the condition and how i keep cards if it's a nine i lucked out like it's not a 10 it's not any of this it's like well you shouldn't grade it's like no we should offer like hey it, it there should be 10 bucks a slab makes perfect sense to me especially if you have to do it in bulk right because i don't want just one card 10 bucks yeah it's probably not worth anyone's time but if you sent if you're sending in you know 10 plus or whatever and saying hey can you grade these 10 cards or 20 cards at 10 bucks a pop 100 to 200 that makes plenty of sense but I, yeah, I think the the value of stuff and like tens or whatever of certain things, and they should know because it, it, it's easy to find this information. I just think it's to me it's just kind of unacceptable to get to this point. You're having one of the craziest surges, and it's probably arguably the hottest time ever in cards. This is like exactly what you want for a business model for your PSA, and you can't keep up. Like to me, again, I think this is a like HGA is right there. Yeah. to take it with the coolers looking slabs they can work with some like maybe local artists whatever and it's just a time where it's like everyone wants that boxed supreme t-shirt for 250 dollars. like you're gonna have the opportunity to do it and that the, the population on these things is gonna be so much lower um and if they get smart about it they'll start declining certain cards i think that's the second step of yeah. like no you gotta learn from do what not yeah, yeah yeah do not send us your like insert of uh you know, Lucas Fabianski base auto <laughs> to get to get graded by us. We're not doing that. Um, but like, yeah, if you have certain rookies or certain prospecting stuff you want to do, for sure. Um, but you know, we'll see. I think uh, I think that yeah, that's the other thing too is like we'll see how it goes with with all of it, and it's all still pretty new. So yeah. hopefully, this means we get our cards back by July. That that'd be the goal. That um, that is ultimately. I was secretly hoping that as well. I'm just, I'm still baffled. Do I need to keep checking three stars uh, page for when I get my initials or when they contact me or <laughs> to be determined? Like it, it's I know it's only been less than a month. We turned those things in early, uh, early March. Uh, it feels like it's been six months already. And I know that we have at least six months to get them. So yeah, not pumped about that. Um, but yeah, last thing before we wrap it up for this week, it's uh, officially prism week here. In, this happens a few times a year. In an hour, Woody, um, the, the clock turns over, and we take our sleeping bags and head over to Target. <laughs> Walmart parking lots, I believe, allow you to sleep overnight, right? <laughs> uh, depends on the, the one. And... I think I think you can in Alexandria. <laughs> I'm not sure if you can in Roseville. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Roseville one closes. I mean, they all might close now, but uh, that was one of the first Walmarts that didn't uh, wasn't a 24 hours. That's, it'll be on my, I, I kind of, I want to go tomorrow just so I can hopefully like see like the line of people like standing by the card aisle. That, that, so I'm going to hit target Walmart, uh, you know, within reason. So I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll out of the way, but we got our, got a foot, we got a foothold in Milwaukee to try to scrounge up something there. What do you put? This is the last thing I'll ask. What are our odds tomorrow? What of finding at least one cello pack between three dudes covering the central twin cities and 
east side of the Twin Cities, as well as some part of Milwaukee. Of us like actually seeing one or us being able to buy us one? I think there's a big difference. One. Us buying one. I I assume that this is going to be something similar to uh, like Black Friday videos, the horror videos when they open the sliding doors and they just jam in and like, you know, there's always like the unfortunate like two or three people die every Black Friday because of like stampedes, which is brutal. Like you like, what? No way. It's like, yeah, they get trampled and they die. Like it's, it's super messed up. Um, yet they don't do anything to change these rules. Like there, no one should be dying over like Hello Kitty backpacks <laughs> and like PS5s. Right? Like come up with a better system. Quit letting people just storm in the store at midnight. Uh I think odds of us being able to actually purchase one cell of any, let's just say anything, right? Oh, man. I would argue it's like a 1 in 20 chance in general to, mm-hmm. for us to find like yep. anything. Yep. Top Series 1 might be a 1 in 10 chance. But yes. uh, anything like of, of value uh, lately has been like a 1 in 20 chance of going. Um, I would say you know, tomorrow, uh, because we're not – we're not willing to, to sink to the levels no. that we're about to watch some people sink to. Uh, it's probably like one in a hundred. Excellent. Like, yeah. Excellent. Which is, hey, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> is what I hear. Um, I, I, I just heard the tagline for our episode, Woody, right there. <laughs> so you're saying Coming in the last, there's last a minute chance. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, if, if we do, it'll be a, a, a miracle. Um, and yeah, and that, that first. I think that's what I'm going to monitor tonight is that first real, not the base, right? And maybe maybe base for some, but that first real like refractor, auto, I don't know, whatever of Lamelo and Anthony Edwards. I'll throw Wiseman in there just because. Um, but the first one of those guys where it hits the market and to watch what happens with that thing of now that you we can't send it in a PSA. Yeah. Like we, we literally can't even send it in there. It used to be like, oh, just send it, wait for whatever. Um I'm wondering if PSA is still going to let you do the walkups because that's how like the early first PSA tens go. I believe the first PSA ten of the Donruss rated rookie Lamelo went for like ten grand, and it was like day two because they were just lived in. I think it's DC or whatever, right? Um, it's unfortunate we can't do that, but maybe Beckett first Beckett first HDA. Yep. I'm one of these guys. I'll watch that too. But I think tomorrow I'll check my targets. I'll expect nothing. Um, I'll do the thing where I walk past the cards. I'm like, all right, I got stuff to buy. And then walk like halfway down and like basically get to like parallel with like the, the makeup part of target. And I'm like, yeah, I got nothing. I was only here for this. I'm just doing this to, to make it look like I was doing something else. Oh, and no, just walk I do out. the unabashed just like loop and right back up, nod to the security <laughs> guard. And you're like, I'm on my way. Thank you much. Have a great day. I'll, I'll try that tomorrow. I, I don't even, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, but uh, yeah. And so we'll, we'll, we'll fingers crossed for, Something. I, I just something would be cool. Yep. Anything, yep. really. I, I just but, hope we don't uh, hurt our Milwaukee uh compatriots feelings and we're like, dude, <laughs> not gonna happen. I, be, 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 yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I and, and and rumor has it he listens to this, so he might catch this at the tail end. Although if he's if he's listened to the, the hour and ten minutes we have <laughs> this, I think that's that's plenty of uh uh respect that's been earned on on, on that end. But there's a real chance that it's just like a Hopefully he hears a story. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. As long as you hear a story from someone there, because those are where it's like, oh man, I thought that just happened. Like that, I thought those rumors. No, you're actually saying that a guy came in here and threatened to like 
sue the entire like target corporation <laughs> if he's not allowed to buy all 12 blaster boxes right now <laughs> oh and he was wearing like crocs pajama pants and a robe <laughs> and hadn't showered in four uh, days the uh, yeah take to the streets yeah. and again we're yeah. semi degens we we will not be stooping but yet. yeah yeah we're we're yeah enough of a degen to also know that like we would like to continue being DGENs, and we don't want to do anything to risk that in terms of like public embarrassment or potential like legal action taken against us. Yes. Not yes. willing to go that yes. road uh, because we want to come back tomorrow and and, and have something to look forward to. Yep. But but yeah, I think uh, we'll we'll wrap up there. I, and less than oh, I was to say less than twenty four hours, but I'm bad at math. Less than thirty six? Nope, not even less than thirty six hours. Uh, about forty hours from now, we'll be game one in the. Uh, in the books 20 for uh, the 2021 season twin season um and uh over under one and a half home runs by Kristen Yelich uh on Thursday I'm taking the and under I'm taking solid tour. under solid under now you still get one in the under that was a stupid line by me but I'm gonna stick with uh it. now if you had given me the same for Keston Hira I would have gone over and then we would have listed that bad boy right away <laughs> <laughs> I uh I sneak sneaky play. I think Yelich has a big, uh, big comeback season this year, and, and shows that yeah. The AL Central, uh, the NL Central is a mess too. Like it, oh, it's, it's so it's, gross. It's a gross mess. So like the Brewers could if Woodruff is good, but all will be revealed in future games as well as broken down by two elite, elite NBA prism hunters slash uh, all things MLB um, talking heads. Right. Exactly, and. uh just remember, my package for Nolan Arenado was way better than what Colorado <laughs> actually got, and I stand by that. So, although they dodged the bullet in Royce Lewis's knee, so and maybe he doesn't tear his knee in there. Yeah, and he definitely my, does uh, not, and then is the yeah, starting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> starting shortstop over Trevor Story, <laughs> which would have been tough too. But uh, all right, well, we'll catch you next time. Until then, uh, for Dave, this is Woody. This has been Flyover Territory Podcast. Peace. Mm-hmm.